And I, I'm amazed that even amen is um, as a prayer of hope, isn't it? It's not yet, but God, I know that, that that's what you're doing in my life. You're making it true. Well, again, uh, the invitation today is to still think for just one extra week here about, about prayer and prayers, and especially today to become aware of how dangerous prayers can be, right? I mean, just think about what you just prayed. That was an amazingly dangerous prayer. And I'm going to suggest to you today that, that um, it's really four dangerous prayers. They go by so fast that uh, it seems like one, but it's really four dangerous prayers. Can we pick them up a little bit here? First, search me, God. Search me and know my heart. King David prayed this famously dangerous prayer in Psalm 139, probably in a season where he was being accused of all sorts of things that were not true, right? And, and, and I don't know about you, but, but when you start listening to all those other voices, I mean, not only the ones uh, in the culture around you or even in your family around you, but maybe even the voices inside of you, it becomes very hard to know what is true anymore and what is not. Is God is are the lies of the evil one, are they in fact true? You see how confusing it could be. What what amazing thing to do to say to God, God search me and know me. There's that word again. I always think of you, Denise, um, when I uh, when I think of the Hebrew word for no, it's the word yada. And, and when I first met you, you, oftentimes you would say, yada, yada, right? <laughs> no, no, right? Um, it, it, it means to experience, not just to have intellectual assent, but to experience. Remember, that's the word from Genesis. Adam knew Eve. Adam experienced Eve, and they had a baby together, right? It, it's to with complete abandon, open yourself up to someone else, in this case, to God, and say, God, I, I open every aspect of my life to you, right? I want you, God, to declare what is true and what is not. So for David, it was an amazingly dangerous prayer, right? Because, because God might find some bad stuff. Did David have some bad stuff in his life? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can go person by person through the saints, through the famous people in the Bible, Abraham. I'm in Genesis in my personal quiet time right now, right? I'm just seeing some of the lies that Abraham told, right? And he passed them on to his children, right? His children said the very same lies. It's astounding. You go person by person through the Scripture, and you find out there's only one perfect person, right? Only one so this isn't about being perfect, right? This isn't about somehow getting our act together in a way that somehow makes us pleasing to God. This is a hard truth, but we're already pleasing to God because we're created in His image, right? He just doesn't want us to suffer, right? So He wants to reveal Himself to us, and David was catching on to that. David, who was guilty of murder, David, who was guilty of, of seductive adultery, right? Uh, David, who was a broken human being, has found an amazing truth. And, and that is that there is one person 
who's worthy of saying, I completely open myself to you, God. Search me. Know my heart, right? But why, why is this a dangerous prayer? I want to suggest to you that it's a dangerous prayer not because of what God might find, right? It's not dangerous because of what God might find, but because of what he might reveal to us. That's what makes it dangerous. Remember that famous movie, You Can't Handle the Truth, right? You can't handle the truth. Um, I can't. This is a dangerous prayer because of what God might reveal in me. I'm so grateful that Kristen read the whole psalm there, except the part that she didn't like, I saw. Um, But she read most of the psalm. And uh, and did you see the the very beginning of Psalm 139? Oh, Lord, you have searched me, right? And, past tense, known me, right? God has already done that. This isn't about God finding something that he didn't know already before he created us. He knows us intimately, right? What this is about is about God making known to David what he sees. When I'm prayer walking my neighborhood. And I say, God, what do you see? Right? I'm seeing stuff. I'm, I, like, I love that. If Randy Houseman is in the room, I love the lighting he did on his, daughter's, on his daughter's house. I'm seeing all kinds of things, right? I'm just not seeing necessarily what God sees. And I say, God, show me what you see. Right? And, and reveal to me, God, what you find. So it's a dangerous prayer, not because of what God might find, but because of what he might reveal to us. Oh, my, here we go. We're liars. We're liars. How many of you tell lies? No, the person next to you didn't raise their hand. Look at him say, liar. You remember that? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? And before you get really mad at me, because I've had people do this to me, and, and I didn't take it well. Here's the word of God from Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick. Right? Now I know when we put our faith in Christ, That we are given a new heart. And one day that new heart will be the only heart that's speaking to us right now. But we're still in that in-between place. We have to be very careful because our heart is deceitful. But look at the second part of it. It could have come right out of Psalm 139. The Lord searches the heart and tests the mind, right? To give everyone according to his or her ways, right? According to the fruit of their deeds. That's what the Lord does. He searches our hearts. He tests our thoughts, right? So what is this what is this struggle we have with lies? I didn't say that to make you mad. I'm not saying you necessarily lie to other people. Though we have all kinds of little euphemisms for those kinds of things, don't we? Little white lies, right? I didn't really want to hurt her feelings. I'm sorry. I always think of the President Lincoln commercial, right? Where his wife says, does this dress make me look fat, right? And honest Abe has to figure out what he's going to say to his wife, right? Um, But I'm not talking about the lies that we say to other people, though I'm guilty of that. 
I'm talking especially the most common lies are the ones that we tell ourselves, right? The most common lies are the ones that we tell ourselves. Now, I want to start with fun, but I want to, I want to move deep with you, right? As I sat there last night with my hand in the gallon drum of jelly beans, right? It's easy, it's easy for me to say, I don't eat that many jelly beans, right? And then I look at the, at the gallon thing or whatever it is, and it's half empty, right? It's half empty. I like to, I like to say to myself, I'm not materialistic, right? And then I look, we, we were um, making um, Leona's house available for Maddie and some renters. Um, and so we had to go through that house, which, which has become like my garage or my office, right? And, and, and I think I'm not materialistic, but look at all this stuff, right? Look at this stuff. So if you have like a garage that has some empty space and don't mind, never mind, we won't do that. Wow. I like to think that I don't have an anger management problem, but my anger issues are, are legendary, right? Especially if you hit me with a racquetball, okay? I'd like to think that, I'd like to think that I don't have these problems. I'd like to think that, 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 I don't, I don't want information, well, let me put it that differently, I want to think that I have information so that I can pray for you more, right? But here's the reality, I like to have information because I like to have information, right? And oh, what a struggle it is to not share information just because it feels good to be in the know, right? I'd like to think that I'm not critical, right? But I was, I was at a funeral last week and there were 70 pastors there. By the way, um, there was nine pastors speaking at this funeral. After two of them, I'm going, oh my goodness. Um, uh, it was a two and a half hour um, funeral. And I was thinking that the beloved pastor who passed away might come back from the dead just to say, let's get this over with. You're thinking that right about now, too. I know. Right? But, but, wow, I'd like to think, right, that I'm not critical of other people, but I found myself saying, I would have said that differently, right? Kristen, I was going to share with you a truth. I'm sorry to do this in front of everybody. They, um, they, had, a, they had a wonderful worship team, a wonderful worship team. But um, I didn't know the worship team. And, and what I love about Kristen and our entire worship team is that they, they help us get to know them. They share authentically who they are. And, and so when you're leading us in worship, I can worship because it sets me free from being critical because I know you, right? And I realize these are really gifted worship leaders, but I don't know them, so they're not leading me into worship. Thank you for your authenticity, for letting us know you. The good stuff and, and the bad stuff. Yeah, because, because it makes you real. And, and you who are real are known by God, right? Are known by God. And you're not only known by God, that you're loved by God. So, so the gentle invitation that David has given us, David who was a liar, David who was a murderer, David who was an adulterer, David who was all these things, is, is that you don't have to hide anymore. You can invite 
your life to be open to God. And, and by the way, in the future, we'll explore it. But that when it's open to God, then it's, you're free to open your life to other people as well, right? Because if he loves you, if he accepts you, if he forgives you, then what does it matter what someone else thinks, right? What does it matter that that critical Pastor Dave sitting out in the audience thinks? It doesn't matter, right? Your identity is found in him. Maybe think of you, Sherry, as the, I was mucking out the house next door, um, um, getting ready for the renters. And I'm thinking probably people ask you occasionally, Sherry's a, a realtor, and they probably ask you, what few things could I do to make this house more saleable, right? And, and, um, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, put a plant on the front porch, and, and probably there's times when Sherry has to come in and say, mm, you know, I think, I think these five things are really important to be able to say to God, God, I, I can't see my own life. Would you search me? Would you know me? God, would you speak into my life so that my life is pleasing to you? You see, just having stuff, just having junk, now I'm thinking metaphoric junk, if in your life does not condemn you, right? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. King David committed murder and adultery, and God still called him a man after his own heart, right? That doesn't condemn you. But David has given us just this amazing invitation. What do we do? What do we do? Let me just make a couple of very human, very me suggestions. One is get over the fear of being found out, right? You've got to get over the fear of being found out. A lot of our, our struggle comes from trying to hide who we are, right? If God loves who we are, then what does it matter, right? And if we're broken, any not broken people in the room, right? If we're broken, then, then maybe that's because we're just like everybody else in the room. God has searched you. He does know you. And he already knows those things and still loves you. But then let's, let's with courage bridge that second gap there. Let's with courage ask God to show us what he knows. Show us. And I just really encourage you as, as he starts to do that, share that with someone else. Someone who loves you. Someone who pray for you. Someone who will walk with you. Someone who will ask the hard questions. How are you doing with that stuff that God showed you, right? How are you doing with that? Ask God to show us what he knows. Pray with me for a second, would you? God, I know there's all kinds of stuff in my life that is offensive to you. And it's such a statement of your love, God, that you overlook those things because of the few things in my life that honor you. So, Holy Spirit, show us the junk in our lives, would you, that offends you? Cause, oh, I hesitate to pray this, but cause it to offend us like it offends you, God, so that we'll let go of it, so that we'll plead the blood of Christ over it, and will allow you to remove it from our life. Thank you, God. Thank you that we can do this through the strength that is ours in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Search me, O oh God. Shine the light of your love into my life until there's no more dark places. Right? It's a dangerous prayer.
Here's another one. God, show me what I'm afraid of, right? I love the song that we sang uh, because it translates this verse slightly different. And I, I, I had to do quite a bit of a background to say, why did that songwriter change the words from try me and know my thoughts to uh, try me and know my anxious ways, right? That's kind of two different words, isn't it? Well, there are a lot of words for thoughts in the Scripture. And the vast, major, the vast majority of them are other words than this, this word. Right here, translated thoughts in the ESV appears only one other place in Scripture. It appears in Psalm 94, verse 19, where it's translated, when the cares of my heart, that's the word thoughts, this word for thoughts, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul, right? So the songwriter got it right, right? Many are the cares of our thoughts, right? I'm reminded of, where is it, Matthew 13, maybe Luke 8, Mark 4, when Jesus was talking about the parable of soils, right? He talked about this kind of soil that was overcome by the weeds, right? And what did he say those weeds were, right? Our cares of this world, our anxious thoughts, right? Peter calls for us. He says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, right? Here's the one place where, where it's worthy of your entrusting your cares to. Oh, there's wonderful people in our lives and I'm so grateful, but they're still broken human beings and they're not always good stewards of it. And I want to encourage you to entrust your cares to other people, but don't don't have a false expectation that they're going to handle it perfectly. Here's the one place where you can cast your cares upon him, right? And, and know that he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. So if our first dangerous prayer was to ask God to search us, to reveal these hidden things in our lives to us, he already knows them, and to help us get rid of them, the second one is show me God what I'm afraid of. And a lot of us have big ticket items that we're afraid of. Sometimes we're afraid of succumbing to them. Sometimes we're afraid that other people will know that we have already succumbed to them. And we tend to think of the real big ticket items like, like sexual immorality, right? Like lies, like, like gossip, right? And, and I don't want to... I don't want to trivialize those. Those are, those are definitely sins that God wants to heal. He wants to bring to the light and remove from you as far as the east is from the west. But I don't know about you, but in my life, there's a lot more darknesses that are much better at hiding than the real big obvious ones, right? Is there anything in your life that you keep avoiding, right? Is there a, is there a, a certain responsibility or level of relationship or step of faith that you run from, maybe maybe that's this anxious thought. Maybe that's the fear that God is inviting you to surrender to him. Here's why it's important. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. Let me say that again. What we fear the most reveals where 
We trust God the least. So what makes you fearful? What makes you anxious? I'm not going to delineate right here, as we've done in the past, between fears and anxiety. That's a really important truth. But for today, let's just think about what, what makes us nervous, right? I'm not talking about snakes and spiders and, God forbid, um, a shower curtain with a guy with a big butcher knife on the other side of it. I shared with many of you many years ago that I was traveling when, when the remake of Psycho came out. And I foolishly, I was traveling by myself. I was in a motel in Monument Valley when the movie came out and, and on TV. And so all by myself, I put my big boy pants on and, and watched the movie. And I found myself with my knees in my chin on the bed halfway through the movie, right about the scene. And, and, and when the movie was over, I went outside. I had to get a breath of fresh air. I opened the door of the hotel room. And right then, five or six hotel rooms in, in, in the thing, they all opened up. And people came out and, and went like this. And, and I said, yeah, yeah, that one gets right to our greatest fears. I'm not talking about that kind of fear, right? I'm, I'm talking about fear maybe there won't be someone me the rest of my life. Maybe, maybe I'll never get married. I'm talking about fears like maybe I'm, I'm stuck in a bad marriage and, and, and I can't do anything about it. Maybe it's fears like people that are important to me will reject me, right? Maybe it's fears of failure. Maybe it's fears of success, right? I'm guessing that there are fears of intimacy, of genuinely being who you are in front of other people. I'm guessing that you fear loss. Those are the kinds of fears that can govern our lives. Those are the kinds of fears that can reveal where we don't trust God the most. I'm so grateful for our worship team. Uh, God is faithful, right? Great is your faithfulness, oh, oh God, right? Um, God, strengthen us even in the place of our fears, right? Strengthen us in, in the fears of loss of relationship. Strengthen us in our fear of failure. Strengthen us, God, to trust in You, that You are sufficient, that Your grace is indeed enough for us. God, help us put our weight down on the one constant that, that nothing can ever take away. Strengthen our trust in Your faithfulness. You see, fear, fear tries to call God powerless, right? Fear says, you may have God, but He's not enough. You should still be worried, right? You see how the enemy of faith is fear, right? So, 365 times in the Scriptures, the Word cries out, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, right? And of course... Scripture brings us the best news of all. I can't tell you how many times I've used this Scripture. There is no fear in love, right? But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And a bunch of us just felt condemnation because we don't experience that perfect love. Let me ask you, who has perfect love? Do you? I don't, right? 
Who has perfect love? God has perfect love. That's what makes Him so worthy of our worship. That's what makes Him so worthy of our trust. That's what makes Him our good King, right? Who's so dangerous, not to us, but to our enemy, to our flesh, to our sinful nature. Pray with me, would you? Holy Spirit, show us, would you? Show me what I'm afraid of, God. Show me, God, how fear tries to discount the enormous power of the living God. Father, I rest in your perfect love that destroys the fears that I'm facing. Father, I, I want to live out your love in my life. Help me, God. Show me what I'm afraid of and remove it from me. And I'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love Paul's protege, Timothy, a young pastor who Paul brought under his wings. Writing to this young pastor, he said, God, Timothy, has not given us a spirit of fear, right? But of power and of love and of self-control, right? Let's live into that. Let's live into that reality, right? So dangerous Prayers, search me, O God, know my heart. Dangerous prayers, try me, know my anxious ways. Dangerous prayer, uncover my sin, right? Uncover the very sin that I have spent all this energy covering, right? See if there's any grievous, I think the song's saying, hurtful way in me, right? See if there's any grievous way in me, right? So, so, so how do we do that? How does, how does God uncover our sins? Four questions to help you um, open your heart to God doing that. When you, when you read in God's Word, I, and again, I, I, I feel some pressure when I'm, when I'm doing it. I've made a big commitment to God's Word, and so I feel some pressure just to crank it out, right? To do it for, for the sake of cranking it out. And the danger when I do that is that I might miss some truth that God is speaking. But what is God's Word trying to tell me when I read it, right? Open your heart to what God's Word is trying to tell you. And, and, and initially, it'll be the, all the normal stuff. You say, yeah, I already, I already believe that. But as you, as you encamp yourself in God's Word, you'll start to see more subtle things, right? Areas of your life still unsurrendered. Things that you bought that were a, a possible result of your family tree, Things that you bought that were a, a partial result of your own um, flesh desires. Things that you bought that were part of our culture or our political systems. Um, God's, God's Word will help you delineate that. So ask yourself, what is God's Word trying to tell me? But entrust yourself also to others. Ask yourself, what are others trying to tell me? And you guys are so gracious um, to me. But there's a dark side of, of graciousness, right? There's a dark side of, of, of withholding truth from me if it would help me grow closer to Jesus, right? Sean, one of the things I love about our relationship is that we just get to speak truth into each other, right? And we don't always understand it or comprehend it. We're not even sure of it. But we risk speaking truth into each other's lives. What are others trying to tell me? What have I been rationalizing Right? For some time. What have I rationalized? My mind, I'm so good. I really am good at this. I mean, you can tell me um, 
some problem and I will rationalize it away. And I'm pretty good at blame shifting, too, and letting you know that you're really the problem, not me, right? But what, Holy Spirit, what am I rationalizing? What am I, what am I, my mind taking over? Because it can't deal with the pain of knowing that I'm a broken human being, right? What, am, what is my mind trying to fix for me? And another really easy one to help you as you're, as you're opening your heart to God's Holy Spirit, as you're opening to his word, where do I find myself getting defensive? I'm not that way. How dare you imply that, uh, that I'm vulnerable to that sin? How dare you, right? Who do you think you are? Do you see that? That's, that's me. That's in me. So, so pride and materialism and lust and addiction, gossip, critical spirit, disobeying. If, if I don't let God's word speak into those things, I will be a slave to them. And if I'm a slave to them, then I'm a slave to fear, right? And I don't want to be a slave any longer to fear. God, uncover my sins that I'm covering. Uncover them, God. Make them visible. And then lastly, I'm going to say it differently than you're expecting. Because your mind, you've already filled in the blanks. You've seen it already. But make me like Jesus. And I'll try and explain what I mean, right? The scripture actually says, and lead me in the way everlasting, right? But that way is Jesus. And it's not just the cute little joke, right? The, not a squirrel, but everything's Jesus, right? It, everything is Jesus, right? Lead me in your way, Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, that famous verse that many of you have memorized, I am the way. I am the truth, right? I am the life. If you want these things, there's only one place to find it. There's only one way to walk in, and that is the way of Jesus. But here's what I really loved and and what's really feeding my soul today, as I looked at that verse again, is the relationship between Jesus and God, right? When I, I don't, it's not just a set of rules that Jesus said, if you do these things, right? What was beautiful was the intimate relationship that Jesus experienced with God, right? And, and, and here is God in the flesh, but one who from eternity past has been in prayerful communion with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. Here he is in the flesh on earth modeling for us the way everlasting. Modeling for us how we can have this intimate relationship with Yahweh, with, with the Almighty God, with the Creator of the universe. You can have that kind of intimacy. You say, how do I do that? Just, just be like Jesus, right? Be like Jesus. Pray a dangerous prayer. And it's dangerous Make me like Jesus. The disciples prayed this so many different ways. Jesus, teach us to pray. We'll see that in a couple of weeks, right? Teach us to pray. Because um, I see the intimacy in you, Jesus, that I want with my Heavenly Father. Jesus, teach me how to relate to other people because I see in you not a spirit of condemnation or judgment, but one of love and invitation. God, make me like Jesus. The everlasting way is the way of Jesus. Not just believing in him. For even demons do that, right? We know that scripture. But walking faithfully 
with him. I want to suggest to you that the way everlasting is the life Jesus modeled for us of intimacy, of trust, of love between our Heavenly Father and us. Will it still have struggles? Let me ask you, did Jesus' life have struggles? Will it still have pain? Let me ask you, did Jesus' life have physical, emotional, and spiritual pain? Oh, yes. There will be times when, like Jesus, we feel like God has forsaken us. But that's not the end of the story. And Jesus, this moment, is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Guess what? Interceding for us before Him. So I want to invite you. Pray dangerous prayers. Pray dangerous ones. Yeah, well, people say, you are being foolish. Yeah, they'll say that. But it doesn't matter what people think. What matters is what God thinks. Pray with me right now, a dangerous prayer. God, we earlier we prayed to you, here's my heart. Lord, speak what is true. God, we confess that our hearts have been counseled by our minds, which oftentimes have succumbed to to structures around us, God, rather than having the mind of Christ. But you give us the opportunity to have our mind transformed. God, our, our, our hearts are counseled by our emotions. And in many cases, God, we have been deeply wounded by other people, by our own choices. And God, sometimes we have been deeply wounded by you. God, grant us this mustard seed of faith, to trust that no matter where we are, God, you are not done yet. And, and you who prove victorious over life, you who prove victorious over death, over every challenge in heaven and earth and under the earth, God, you who prove victorious are worthy of our trust. Holy Spirit, help us to pray dangerous prayers this week. And then God, with the openness and the freedom that comes from having no secrets, having nothing hidden. Help us to love recklessly our families, to love recklessly our neighbors, our fellow aliens, our fellow citizens, God, awaiting the coming of your kingdom. God, help us to love ourselves. I know. God, if that's true, then it won't matter how many times we failed. I know that if that's true, God, we will be placing ourselves on, on an everlasting path, God, that will lead directly to your throne. Oh, we love you, God. And we ask you to give us courage to pray dangerous prayers today. In Jesus' name, amen.